everybody. How you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. This is episode number 195. Hey, welcome back. Or maybe you should be asking me or saying to me, welcome back, because because I am back and I'm I'm really excited to be back. I've you know taken some time off, which we're going to kind of get into a little bit of that. But, you know, it's the holiday season. And I've been kind of down in the basement working in the dungeon on you know, working on my business, working on this podcast project, a lot of different things. And so really looking forward to connecting with you today and and, and sharing. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a live stream and we're going to be live streaming on Facebook and YouTube. So we'd be happy to take your questions and comments. Just type them into the comment section there and we'll read them on the air and we'll have a little bit of a discussion. But um yeah, you know, today we're going to talk about the economic shift that's underway and whether or not you're preparing for that. We're going to talk a little bit about the COVID stay-at-home order that's been released and some of the impact that's having in our community. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Joe Biden and his executive orders. So got a whole bunch of things we want to get into today. But just want to say, hey, man, how you been? You know, how you doing out there in the Internet, on, on the interwebs? <laughs> How's it going? I hope all has been well, because I'm really happy to be back. You know, so, you know, I originally took some time off. I think what was my last podcast? I think it was in the middle of December. And back then, you know, I was it was the holiday season. So I was kind of winding down a little bit around the holidays. And then um and then I was trying to get my internet connection kind of optimized here in my podcast studio. And we, we, I was going back and forth with Cox Cable and we had a, a cabling guy came in here. So we got it all, I think, pretty much dialed in. So if you had noticed anything on the live stream, let me know. But we really wanted to make sure that we were optimized for that. But mostly I have been just, you know, kind of working on my business and just trying to reorient my business really for the, you know, the new economy. And, you know, my, what I do during the day, if you maybe, if for those of you who don't know who I am and what I'm all about. So I, I live here in, in the beautiful city of Poway, California. That's right. The, the city in the country and, uh, love the city here. And it's been really good to me and my family. Um, and I've, I've been doing my whole career in the world of marketing and, you know, really since, uh, it was probably 01, 2001, when I started up my own marketing agency, started up out of my house and uh, was originally sort of a side hustle, sort of a moonlighting gig. And it grew and grew and became a, a fledgling business. And, you know, I got that launched, I think, in 04 is when I finally incorporated the business. And it's been really good to me. And but it's been a roller coaster ride. You know, I'll tell you what. And I've been, I guess, so busy working in the business that I never really take the time to work on the business. So, you know, just what that really means is that when I'm working in the business, you know, I'm just working with the day to day. I'm helping my clients. I'm taking care of their projects. I'm putting in um, effort to make sure my clients are successful. I'm making sure I'm paying my bills and, you know, managing a business. But so often, you know, especially as a solopreneur, you don't really put in the effort to work on your business, to think more strategically, to plan for the future. And, you know, I'll be honest. I mean, this is something I really haven't focused on as much lately. And I really wanted to take the time over the holiday season here in the beginning of January to do just that. Um, because, you know, as I said, we're are you preparing for the economic shift? And there's a there's a radical shift going on in the economy right now. And I want to make sure that I'm prepared and I want to make sure that you're prepared. And so we're going to talk a bit about that. But really, I mean, this time that I've been off and it's been like, gosh, six weeks since I've done my last podcast. Um, I've been really working hard just to kind of expand the products and services that I have available to customers because I want to find every possible revenue stream I can create, every possible way to satisfy the needs of my clients. I've been building out websites and documenting solutions that I offer, and that's been really helpful because so often what I had presented on my website and what I actually executed for my clients were not necessarily aligned. Um, and I wanted to really kind of take the time to present a more accurate version of what I do and the work that I do for my customers. But I'm really beginning now to shift a lot of my business to more educational content. And the beauty of that is, is that 
you know, what, what do I mean by more educational content? It's really more about you doing content marketing, providing information for my customers that help them build their business and using that kind of information to create lead magnets so that I can draw leads into my business, using that information that I can uh, build out into um uh, you know, into blogging that can be used to drive search engine optimization to deliver more customers in my direction. But I also think there's a great opportunity to you to to really focus on that education piece and now begin to integrate this podcast into what I'm doing with my business. You know, so just to give you a little background. So I started this podcast up, gosh, it was in September of 2018. And this was right before the local political season here in Poway, and we just had a great time meeting all of the candidates for political office, running for Poway mayor, Poway city council, Poway school board. And that's how we got the thing launched in 2018. And and then in 2019, you know, I was still doing it. We did, we did have some local personalities, some authors and some entrepreneurs and athletes that we interviewed on this podcast. And it's been wonderful. This podcast has been an extraordinarily rewarding project for me. But for the most part, it has existed in my life as sort of this island, sort of this hobby that I do. And, you know, I, I put a great deal of time into this. I mean, some of the people that have been guests on my podcast are amazed of all the work and effort and energy and the technology that I've built and invested in this. But I've always done it really as a labor of love, as something that I've enjoyed. To I've been meeting extraordinary people here in the Poway community. And since we had COVID, I'm meeting them through, you know, Zoom and, and StreamYard and a lot of other streaming apps. But I've just met some great people and I've built friendships uh, with many of my guests. And I'm really, really thankful for that. Um, but still, this podcast, you know, never really was a revenue generating thing. It wasn't really a monetized thing. And I was always trying to figure out how in the heck could I monetize this podcast? And, you know, you originally you think, well, maybe I'll get advertisers, but, you know, that's hard to do unless you've got you know, a big time podcast with thousands of downloads and, and, uh, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of subscribers to your YouTube channel. And here I am just little old modest me, you know, mostly doing a local podcast in my little city of Poway, talking with mostly people that are connected to my little city of Poway. So I didn't have a big audience. So the likelihood of me generating massive revenue in this podcast uh, by having advertisers. That's a bit of a pipe dream. So I was always trying to figure out how can I make this podcast a more successful project for me personally? I mean, besides the fact that it's it's personally rewarding, but could it be financially rewarding? And, you know, I dabbled a little bit about trying to build more products, you know, third party products that I could sell through this website. But in the end, I'm, I'm realizing that the answer has been staring me in the face the whole time. And that is, is, is to do what I intended to do from the very beginning. This podcast is really meant to educate, um, to entertain and to inspire. I mean, that's what I wanted to do when we met with our candidates, uh, political candidates, when we launched the podcast in 2018. This is a platform that I think I can help people, educate people, and really share a lot of my own knowledge, knowledge that I've built in decades of being a business consultant, uh, working in sales and marketing and product development. There's a lot that I think I can offer. And I think there is an opportunity to kind of integrate everything into one package where we can provide that educational content that can be helpful for people's business lives, for their personal lives, and then also integrate it with current events and culture and politics and, and make it a really interesting and, and entertaining and, and inspiring and educational platform that I think that could really work. So that's what I've been doing on my from with my business with my marketing agency is now starting to shift more of my focus in that business to to be more about education, more about content marketing, providing content that's of value. And when I say content, what do I mean? I mean video content. I mean um, blog content. I mean podcast content. I mean social media content. Not just to be witty and and to have zingers, but to really offer 
you know, learnings, nuggets that you can take home with you and say, hey, this Riley guy's got this podcast and there's a few things I'm learning from him. And these are these can actually help me improve my business, help me find more customers, help me grow my business in this challenging uh, COVID economic pandemic economy that we have right now. So I'm beginning to now reorient my business um, and I'm still doing consulting work for clients. You know, I have some customers that I work as a consultant, a 1099, if you will, where I work hourly for clients and work on specific initiatives for them. I'm going to still do that. Um, I have other clients that I do project work for them, like weekly, monthly. I have certain projects that I do for them that help them um, acquire new customers and retain existing customers. A lot of that's direct marketing. Um, A lot of that's database marketing, which is really where my background is. I'm going to still continue to do that. Um, But I think I can open up another channel of what I do that has more of this educational content. And I think this educational content could drive more leads into my business, but also the, some of this educational content I think can be packaged and can be sold in the form of, um, of online classes, of a digital learning, if you will, and really taking specific segments of my business, building a, a one, two, three um, episode um, educational piece teaching my students, if you will, about some of these disciplines of database marketing, direct marketing, digital marketing, marketing automation, the things that I do, and really packaging those into a course that I could sell online for $99. I mean, why not? Um, I have all of the technology here. I've got a podcast studio. I've got the lights, the camera, the microphone. I mean, why not build it out? And then I'll be in a position where I can rather than spending a great deal of my time always sort of in the grind, right? Always kind of working, always sort of, well, not always, but essentially trading time for money. Um, I think I have an opportunity to create product, digital product that I can create once and sell over and over and over again. Um, Digital content that I can essentially sell 24-7 that people people can visit me. So uh, that's part of what I'm trying to do. Now, granted, I've been I've been working on this for the past six weeks or so. I have a long way to go, but I feel comfortable enough that I, I can get in front of the camera again and begin to do the podcasting with you and begin to share some of this journey that I'm on. And hopefully that could be helpful to you um, because, you know, I'm getting older. I'm 55 years old. So many people would say that retirements in 10 years, you know, it may be, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's going to be sooner that maybe it's going to be later than that. But, but I know that as this economy shifts, as the demands of clients change, I've got to be able to adapt and change with them. And so that's what I've been doing. I've been, I've been building out a whole new set of, of web pages of, um, of funnels, if you will, to attract leads, to have cl- uh, lead magnets that provide information to help my customers attract new clients and building uh, email databases from that, building drip sequences to educate customers uh, to how to make them better marketers and using that as a way that I can build my lead list and transform some of these leads into paying clients for me. So it's kind of a cool journey. I think this is going to be a really good move, especially as we get into some of this shifting economy piece of it. Um, but yeah, there, it's all about you know, this whole notion of a shifting economy. You can't have all your eggs in one basket, friends. I mean, gone are those days of working for a single employer. I mean, the economy is very dynamic. So I'm always trying to open up new revenue channels, new streams of revenue into my business. I want to automate as much of my business as I can. And I'm doing that right now. It's been a great uh, portion of what I've been working on in the dungeon for the last six weeks. Um, I think there's opportunity also to, you know, again, sort of prepare for more of a mobile economy because we're, we're seeing that now people are working from home. People are no longer living in major metropolitan areas. A lot of the tech community in the San Francisco Bay area a lot of those people are, are leaving. I mean, they're they're moving to other parts of the country where they can be productive but have a lower cost of living. 
Um, I'm not saying I'm about to move or anything, but I want to be prepared, be nimble enough that my business is going to be mobile and I can take it anywhere I go. So again, that's all part of my thought process as I'm doing this. And it's just really refreshing to work on your business rather than always in the grind of working in your business. You know, and it's funny, some people say, well, you know, you're, you're a, you're a sing. I mean, I'm a one man show, essentially. I'm a single person business. Some people would say, oh, well, you could just turn on a dime. It's really easy. Well, you could, if you want to turn off all the money making operations you've got going on now. I mean, so I spend easily three quarters of my time, maybe 80% of my time in billable hours. Uh, for clients um, or project for clients, or I'm selling products for clients. I mean, 80%, if not more of my time in my business is working in it. Um, It's been refreshing to work on it. And I'm just, I'm just really thrilled about it. And so um, I think this, as I'm getting older, I think I, I, it's putting me in a position to be a little more creative, a little bit more of a thought leader in some of the categories that I specialize in and begin to do things that I think are not going to be easily automated, things that aren't as easily replaceable. I think that's a great lesson to learn. So let's talk a little bit about um, this economic shift that's going on. And and like I said, we're seeing it now with COVID. Uh, the COVID crisis has been a massive disruption to the economy. Um, we're seeing a lot more about automation. And, you know, Andrew Yang talked a lot about that, how artificial intelligence is going to come in and automate parts of the economy. And he's right. It is. And we're seeing that already. Um, Companies are learning to um, automate portions of their business using technology. I think Andrew Yang used it politically as a scare tactic to spook people thinking they'd be out of work and that we would get to a, a, a future of AI and robotics and a lot of people that would essentially not be working I, as a means of justifying universal basic income. I, I don't necessarily believe that full package. I think the more we automate, the more jobs are created. Um, the more we automate, the more rote repetitive work can be replaced by machine. And then that opens up our minds, our creative and innovative minds, and actually opens up a great deal of financial capital that can be invested in new industries that create new businesses and new jobs. I mean, think about, um, all the automation that's happened in farming, as an example, um, you know, 200 years ago, how many people or what percentage of the population worked in farming? Had to be at least half, right? Maybe two thirds or more worked in the industry of farming. But now the law, all those jobs you know, in the year 2021 have been mostly automated away. There's machinery that does a lot of the farming that harvests um, you know, fruit and other things off of, off of trees or, or plants from the ground. A lot of that's automated, but yet you know, we have more food than ever. And we have not only more food than ever, but we have all these new industries in technology, in healthcare, in telecom that were never even thought possible 200 years ago. Automation is not something to be feared, but automation is definitely something to understand. It's something that we need to address. Automation is something that we have to be able to take advantage of and shift with the tide. Um, that's greatly underway now. I mean, so if, if you've got a job that you think could be replaced by a computer, uh, a, a job that can be replaced by robotics, you need to be thinking very differently right now and preparing for that. Um, we're seeing a lot more e-commerce. I mean, how much during this COVID pandemic have we seen a lot more companies um, not only taking orders online, but we're seeing a lot of what we call BOPIS, right? Buy online, pick up in store. B-O-P-I-S, BOPIS is becoming a huge trend where people are ordering a meal online. And if they're not having it delivered by DoorDash, they may be placing the order online and then picking it up in store. Um, We're seeing a lot more of that. We're seeing huge radical shifts in the way people interact with businesses and radical shifts in the economy. And even at a political level, I don't know if you're paying attention to this, but there's this whole um, conversation that's happening called the Big Reset. And this is essentially a socialist agenda where people are seeing this COVID crisis as an opportunity to implement more, how should I say, uh, more 
universal basic income, more socialized medicine, more um, more essentially progressive policies. And whether or not you agree with those policies or not, those are things that are underway. And, and it's interesting how it's like Rahm Emanuel, who the former uh, chief of staff to Barack Obama and later became the mayor of Chicago. He said, never let a good crisis go to waste, right? Um, we're in the midst of a crisis. There are people that are taking advantage in this crisis. And in some cases, they're looking for opportunities to have a political transformation. We're seeing that with this big reset. But the reset is definitely happening economically. I mean, how many people right now are out of work and you know are essentially getting uh, unemployment from, from the government? And, and good for them. I mean, otherwise, they may not be able to survive. But how many people are out of work? And then when we sort of, quote, go back to normal – how many of them are going to get rehired? Probably not very many. Businesses are learning to do things differently. They're learning to how to automate, how to do things more efficiently. So we have to be prepared for this big shift. And really, these sort of economic revolutions, they've, they've happened all throughout human history. I mean, obviously, you go way back. I mean, turn the clock back thousands of years. We had an agrarian revolution where, you know, Humans were able to settle in city-states and farm and have a sense of place. And, and then you saw people you know, set up their own little shops, whether they were a blacksmith or you know, a general store owner. You saw a little bit of that. Um, and then when we got into the 19th century and the Industrial Revolution and really the, the blossoming of capitalism, we saw a huge revolution where um, we saw essentially – the economy being radically changed, but really in a good way, um, where we saw the standard of living increasing dramatically, huge amounts of wealth being generated, not just for the, the uber rich, but also for the ordinary person. We saw the standard of living increase for them because now suddenly they could travel across country on railroads. Um, they could drive automobiles. There were airplanes. There was telecommunication. There was a, a whole suite of products and services that became available to regular people that made their lives better and a whole set of jobs that paid them far better than they ever did when they were grinding it out from dawn to dusk on a farm. The Industrial Revolution was a massive uh, reorientation, reconfiguring of the economy. Um, and there were some people that just refused to adjust to it. And they got you know, essentially grinded down as a result. But it was because they didn't prepare. They didn't see the writing on the wall and they let the steamroller run them over. Well, then we went into another revolution. And I'm going to say it probably was the technology age that probably I would say mostly really got its wheels in the 80s, but especially in the 90s with with the Internet and, and technology, because, you know, in the 60s, it was mostly what mainframe computers and in the 70s, Again, mostly mainframe. You got in the 80s, the dawn of the personal computer. You had mid-range systems that were beginning to provide computing power to small and medium-sized businesses. And then the personal computer really got traction in the late 80s and into the 90s. We saw the internet revolution. And again, we saw huge industries created. We saw um, a, a massive displacement of of workers because a lot of Manufacturing became automated. We saw robotics in automobile manufacturing plants, a huge transformation there. And now I think as we've been about 20 years, 25 years out from the Internet, the, the beginning of the Internet revolution, the technology revolution, I mean, we're really now in what I'm going to call a mobile entrepreneur revolution, a automation revolution. I mean, there's a lot of different names we can give it, but the landscape has changed. I mean, right now, like I said, we can, we can, for many of us, not all of us, a lot of us can work anywhere. I mean, businesses are learning that their employees can work from home and be as productive, if not more productive than they were when they were working in the office. And that's been a great thing. Um, I think just speaking from personal experience and what I've witnessed with my customers, you know, a lot of old school managers didn't necessarily trust their employees to work from home, didn't trust that they would be productive, thought they would, you know, hang out on the couch and watch Ellen all day. But the, the opposite has been proven to be true. People 
love working from home, not only because they don't have to go through the traffic and the hassles of getting back and forth to work. They don't have to deal with having, you know, professional apparel and that whole angle to go to work. But they're also realizing that they have better control over their work-life balance. They have better control over picking up their kids after school or running a personal errand during the middle of the day. They still get their work done for their employer, but they get it done on their own terms in a flexible way. And the end result is, as employees have been far more productive in a lot of cases. And that's been a great thing. So this notion of flexibility Mobility is a big part of this changing economic landscape. Now, I still think that some of my progressive friends, my friends on the left, still long for the days of uh, businesses that, you know, companies that you would work your whole life for, for four decades, and you'd get that guaranteed health care and job security and all of those benefits. But really, those days are gone. I mean, they are. Um, the, the, the economy is very volatile. People work for multiple employers, um, throughout their career and employees have to be more flexible, more nimble, more willing to go with the flow, more willing to move to where the jobs are, or more willing to have the, the technology to be able to adapt to do work from, from anywhere and essentially have greater control over their personal life. I mean, this is a huge deal. And the question is, is are you preparing for it? Are you, are you, are you preparing your life for a new economy, for a mobile economy? Are you preparing your life to be a small business owner, to be a consultant, to be a 1099? You know, where you're paid not as a W-2, not as an employee, but as a private contractor. And we hear a lot about private contracting and and a lot of people think, oh, that's Uber and Lyft and DoorDash. And and those are private contractors. And by the way, yay, California for keeping them private contractors. That's a good thing. Um, But there's opportunities, folks, to to create yourself as a private contractor and provide products and services to customers on your own without having to always work for the man. And so are you preparing for that? Now, some people think the game is rigged, right? They see big businesses controlling things. They see big business um, manipulating the system, um, the system as defined by government, by the rules of the game. And in many cases, they're right. The game is rigged to a degree. But as individuals, we're not going to be able to change the rules of the game. Now, we'll try, you know, depending on your political persuasion, you're going to vote for candidate A or candidate B, and you're going to hope that they're going to put in policies that you'll like that are going to improve your life and make your life better. But there's no guarantee that's going to happen. And how many times do people vote for a candidate and the candidate ends up doing the exact opposite of what they said they were going to campaign on, or they go into office saying they're going to fight um, against these um, these big corporations. And then the next thing you know, you find out they're in bed with them. You can't depend on that. So you have to take control yourself. You, There is a game. The game is rigged. The issue then becomes, how are you going to play the game? How are you going to take advantage of those opportunities? I mean, it's a little bit of a tangent, but one of the things that I've done to play the game, first of all, was to incorporate myself. Um, So originally when I set up my business, I was a sole proprietor. Then I um, became an S corporation. So I'm an actual corporation within the state of California. Now I'm playing the game. Um, I'm able to, for for example, my automobile, which I use easily for 90% of my time for business, I'm now making that a cost within my company rather than actually paying for it with personal money. I'm paying for it with business money that I bring in and that saves me on the back end with taxes. And I'm taking it even a step further. Um, The government has rigged the game and has provided essentially corporate welfare to these big businesses if they will create these electric vehicles and they're providing all these subsidies 
well, I can't change that game. I don't necessarily agree with that policy, but darn, if I'm going to have an opportunity to get back some of my own tax dollars, why not go for it? And so that's why I have um, an electric car. In fact, we have two electric vehicles, both of them powered by the sun, by solar panels, and that's been terrific. So I'm trying to reorient my business, reorient a lot of what I'm doing to adapt with the flow of the changing economy. And that's part of what I want to be able to teach in the podcast and talk about in the podcast. Um, I have a couple of comments here on the live stream, one from Mike Polite. um, And Mike says, our virtual assistants, quote unquote, automation. This is a good one. You know, virtual assistants, I, and I'm going to, Mike, I'm going to try to read between the lines. A lot of people have these virtual assistants that are essentially admins. They're secretaries, but they work far away. They may actually be an employee in the Philippines that might help you do rote tasks, um, be able to schedule appointments for you or be able to crunch data for you that can be repetitive. Um yeah, I would say that's a, a crude form of automation, right? Where you're essentially contracting that labor out, but and you're doing it inexpensively because labor rates are cheaper in the Philippines than they are in the United States. But it's really just one step in the direction of ultimately true automation, where a lot of that work is going to be automated on my machine completely. Um, so temporarily we're going through a transition phase where yeah virtual assistants are a form of automation and kevin mcnamara uh, a, a, a guest on the podcast in fact mike polite was a guest here too kevin mcnamara uh chiming in said i was wondering just this morning what you were up to <laughs> and yeah a lot you know a lot of people reached out to me when i was on my sabbatical when i was in my dungeon working on this project that i'm um, that i've been telling you about this essentially reorienting my business and and by the way that's why you know i call this podcast the john riley project but the john riley project isn't just a podcast you know i've always said that in the very beginning i'm i'm trying to build um you know certain economic opportunities around it. I'm trying to educate, inspire, um, entertain, but do it in ways that aren't necessarily exclusively with the podcast Um, and certainly monetize things, not necessarily always with the podcast. So yeah, this has been great. You know, um, I'm really kind of taking a different angle, a different look at the project and seeing how can I integrate the podcast and my business and have more educational content, um, educational content that's helpful to my audience, that helps them attract and retain customers, um, information from my audience about entrepreneurship and getting started, um, educational content that maybe could be packaged into digital courses that teach certain uh, fundamentals of digital marketing, direct marketing, database marketing, marketing automation, all the things that I'm working on. So yeah, this is what I've been working on. And, and it's, it's really great. And, and I, I took some time off from the podcast and doing it. And as I, and when I did a lot of my listeners and viewers, you know, like, like you, uh, Kevin and, and Mike reached out to me and says, what's going on? You know, you haven't had an episode in like since the middle of December, you still do the podcast. And, you know, I wrote back and said, yeah, I am. I'm just taking a little time off. And I probably, I really should have communicated that um, around the holiday season. But my intent really was I was going to get back on the horse here in early January. But I'll tell you what, I I was in a habit of doing this Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2 p.m. and was really in a nice rhythm, nice flow. But um, what happened is, is that when I, you know, fell off the wagon and, began to take time off for family around the holidays and also take time off to work on my business, kind of go into the dungeon and work on things. It was, it's hard to kind of get back on the wagon, you know, it's hard to, um, to really, uh, get back into a good habit when you've taken yourself out of it. And that's been part of my challenge. Um, I probably should have started resuming this podcast at least two weeks ago, probably three. Um, but, you know, I, I just felt like, oh, no, I want to spend a little more time. But at some point, I just have to get out there 
And so here I am today. I'm going to still try to stick to the Monday, Wednesday, Friday at two. I think that's a good time slot. I think that works for me. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, let's just a couple of things. I want to talk a bit about, um, Oh, well, Mike Polite says, uh, that's where mine are. I guess you're probably talking about virtual assistants, right, Mike? Um, your, your virtual assistants are in the Philippines. And I know other people that have had virtual assistants. And Mike, I, let me ask you this, and please feel free to respond here on the live stream. What are you having your virtual assistants do for you? I'm curious. Um, because there are certain things I think you can sort of you know, essentially build a, um, a standard operating procedure on how you want these things to be done. And you could communicate with that with someone on the other side of the globe that may or may not have a, a good grasp of English. And you may be able to get them to do those tasks for you, but there are higher level tasks that I wonder how effective a virtual assistant would be. I'm interested in learning what you have them do. Um, Matthew Brannigan chimes in. Yeah, good to see you. Yes, I think some of us thought you'd thrown in the towel. No, I haven't thrown in the towel. I just took some time off um, to work on my business and to have some time off for the holidays. I mean, I'm doing this podcast three days a week. Um, you know, the podcast itself takes about an hour. You know, I prepare for the podcast and that takes me some time, you know, depending on what I'm doing. It could be one hour, it could be three or four hours preparing for this. Um, and then on the back end, um, I'm, you know, downloading the audio files and editing the audio and uploading that to all the podcast platforms. And the good news is, is since I've done the live stream, I don't have to do any of the video editing like I used to. That saved me time. That's more automation, which is a win. Um, but still on the back end, you know, and I post my episodes and, you know, a lot of other things that, that takes time. And so when you're doing three of those a week and they're not necessarily making you any money, plus I'm, you know, I got my whole career. You know, I've got clients that are paying me. Um, and then you got a family and then you got the holidays. I mean, something's got to give. So I, I took a little time off on the podcast and, and for all of you that reached out, thank you. And, and for those of you that are here today, some of my loyal listeners and viewers, thank you for uh, being there right when I fired up the camera, you know, six weeks later, but I still did it at Wednesday at two. And I did that on purpose because I thought maybe some of you might be thinking about me in this time slot. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about COVID. Uh, the stay-at-home order was just lifted by Governor Gavin Newsom, and I'll tell you what, a lot of suspicion, right? Um, how? What is this really about? I mean, they, they, they keep telling us, especially the Democrats, they keep telling us it's about science. They're going to run this by the data. And meanwhile, uh, the data says that our ICU vacancy rate, the in, in, what do they call it? intensive care unit, there's no beds or very little. I mean, they say it's 0% vacancy. If you're running it by the data, why in the hell are you opening up the economy again? I mean, not that I'm complaining. I think the economy should have been opened up to a degree much earlier. Um, and then people can make their own decisions based on their own risk assessments. Because um, I think the, the shutting down of the economy has, frankly, been destructive, uh, you know, potentially far more than the virus itself. But then you know, again, a little bit of tinfoil hat conspiracy theory makes you wonder, maybe was that the plan all along? <laughs> and some people think that, like, why is it that President Biden was suddenly inaugurated and now um, Democratic mayor, uh, governors in California and in other states in New York, uh, Cuomo there, um, are now beginning to open up the economy. Now, I can't tell you, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm not about to go in and start debating the scientific data. You know, I had a little bit of a conversation with Chris Cruz here in the city of Poway. She runs uh, Poway South and North Votes, and she's really into following the data and the science of it all. But it, you have to admit the timing is, is suspicious. But even at the, at the California level, um, you know, there's a lot of heat on Gavin Newsom. I mean, there's a, there's a recall petition circulating. They got over a million signatures. Um, could his decision to begin opening up the economy be related to that? I don't know. Um, but it's it just it's just interesting um, that that's the case. And I, I'm not saying that it, it is politically motivated, but maybe it is. I mean, someone said, what do you get when you mix politics and science? 
what do you get? Well, the answer is politics, right? Because <laughs> once politics and science are merged, the end result is political. Um, Jamie Tobit says, I think the ICU vacancy dropped because one of discharges, which is great, and two, adding additional ICU beds. And that's that's true. That's what I understand as well. Um, the uh, what's interesting is, is, you know how they broke it up into like, I think there's four or five regions in the state of California. And our region is what is it, San Diego and I think Riverside, San Bernardino, and then some of those eastern Sierra counties as a whole. We are zero percent ICU vacancy, but San Diego County apparently is like I can't remember the exact one. Is it twelve percent or sixteen percent ICU vacancy? Which again, those don't jive to me. How can you be zero percent in Southern California but still be sixteen percent vacancy in San Diego County? That doesn't make sense. Um, but at any rate, yeah, I mean hospitals are, are greatly impacted. I mean, my wife works in healthcare. She tells me stories. It's legit. It's real. This virus is real and it's having a huge impact on the healthcare system. Indisputable. Um, but the timing is suspicious. It makes you wonder. Um, I mean, you look at the charts and we're, you know, we're peaking. We're you know, even President Biden says that there's no way to control the virus for the next two months. Um, people predicted that this winter would be a difficult winter and we're just into it now. I mean, we're going to be going through March. I mean, February and early March still in winter, still in what would normally be a flu season. Um, we're going to still have a lot more COVID. So it's interesting if they say they shut down the economy partly because of the science, why are they opening up now? I don't get it, but I'm not complaining. I think letting restaurants have outdoor dining, that's a good thing. Allowing gyms to have outdoor classes, that's a great thing. That's a good thing. We need to allow these entrepreneurs to do business. We need to allow customers to do business with them and do it safely and to do it at their own risk um, tolerance level. Um, Mike Polite says, as uh, oh, this is goes back to the virtual assistant topic. He says, as much as possible for some projects, I guess he's talking about VA, virtual assistant, I have them create ad campaigns, respond to booking requests, and set appointment for clients. Yeah, setting appointments is a good one. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of great opportunities out there to use you know, I'm talking about <laughs> to use outsource labor to help you and and, to, and from foreign nations. You'd be surprised. Like, have you ever heard of the website Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R dot com? So it's like Fiverr with an extra R. There, you there are all of the if you need graphic design done and you want it done cheap and done well, you'd be shocked at um, the number of graphic artists that are available on Fiverr that will design anything you need and they'll only charge you like 20 bucks, 30 bucks, something that you would pay a graphic artist in, in California hundreds of dollars to do, if not more, uh, because the labor is so much more expensive in these other countries. And um, the technology allows that uh, to be made available to people here in the United States. It's a great thing. So virtual assistant, um, yeah, I, I, to me, that's a form, like a, a virtual form of automation, right? So virtual assistant is virtual automation. I, I, I agree with that. Uh, but anyways, back to COVID. Um, it's interesting, too. If you look at – I saw this ranking of the states in California and uh, – excuse me, the ranking of the 50 states. And California was dead last in the percentage of COVID vaccines that were essentially administered or – injected, if you will. And it makes you wonder, like, how in the hell is that possible? You know, we, California in the beginning, uh, the beginning phases of the COVID pandemic was widely praised for how Gavin Newsom and the government ran things. But how is it that California is dead last in the delivery of the vaccine? It seems like, you know, California is getting vaccines from the federal government, um, obviously not in the volume they want, but a lot of them are just sitting idle in freezers. They're not actually making their way into the arms of people to get vaccinated. And it was, you know, again, I don't remember the exact percentages, but the top states were in the 60% area of the vaccine um, doses that had been administered. 
but California was like in the low 40s of percentage. So it means half of the vaccine uh, that ha- that is available in California, half of it has not even been deployed, hasn't even been injected. Now, some people like Chris Cruz was telling me that she thought it was just a, a counting issue, that they didn't have the count, they, they weren't keeping up with real time counts. But you know what? Other states are doing it more effectively. So it's interesting how California is struggling with this. Uh, Mike Polite says, yeah, Fiverr and Upwork are great for finding help. Yeah, Upwork is a great one, too. I've used Fiverr, um, and Fiverr has been really good for me. I've never used Upwork, but I but I know Upwork kind of is for different categories of, of, of uh, skill. I think Fiverr is more in the creative space. Um, but I, I just want to, again, again, preparing, if, talking about preparing for this economic shift. Um, consider what's going on now with COVID and people are getting jacked around by COVID, you know, businesses like imagine if you owned a restaurant or a bar, oh my God, a bar, you're, you're decimated. Um, bars have had to get very creative to try to find ways to make money. But even as a restaurant, I mean, you're told that you're open, then you got to shut down or you can only open up, but you can only have 25% capacity. And then you got to adjust your staffing levels appropriately. And then they say, no, you can't have anybody inside, but you can serve them outside. Then later on, they say, no, you can't do outside, but you can only do takeout. I mean, the rules are constantly changing. People are getting jacked around. Um, and, And one of my, you know, I'll call him a friend, um, a young man here in Poway, um, who his name is Evel, and he runs a barbershop called Fresh Out the Barbershop here in Poway. And I discovered him about a year ago. And what an extraordinary young man. This guy is in his early 20s, and he learned to cut hair when he was a teenager. Um, when he got out of school, out of high school, he actually went and, and did all the occupational licensing and training and everything else to be a, 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 a barber. And rather than going to work for the man, going to work at Supercuts, he created his own barbershop. And man, this kid was fantastic. I say kid because um, he was in his early 20s. But he was he was an MMA fighter. I mean, he trained to do MMA. Um, so I go there. We talk about that. And, and he's from Iraq. His family moved from Iraq to the United States. And, you know, there's a large Chaldean community in the El Cajon area. And so that's where he, you know, when he came to America, that's where he lived. And he came out here to Poway, set up shop. Just really proud of this young man as an entrepreneur. But his business got jacked around, right? You could, you could go turn on, turn off, the change in the rules. Finally, he just threw in the towel and he's now trying to sell his business. And I felt awful for him. Um, and then I needed, a, I needed a darn haircut. And so I ended up going to, I'm not going to say their name because I'm going to tell you what they did. They broke some rules. Um, I went and found another uh, barbershop here in Poway and hint, hint, it's right next to where the Poway protesters are on the, on the intersection of Twin Peaks and Pomerado that I enjoy talking about. And, uh, and you know, because they were able to legally do haircuts starting this week, Monday at noon. So I went in, got the, the new Riley aerodynamic trim cut. And, um, but they were telling me that they, they didn't shut down. I mean, they shut down the first ones, but the most recent shutdown, they ignored the warning. That's why I'm not going to give you their name. Um, and they were warned, I guess some government officials came out and said, if you don't shut down, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this and do that. But they never followed through. And so, you know, they were doing haircuts and on the down low during the shutdown because, you know, they, these people are working. This is their livelihood. This is not only how they earn money, but it's what they love to do. I mean, they're artists to a great degree. I mean, hair, um, you know, uh, hairstylists are definitely a, an artist and their their livelihood was taken away but they still went ahead and did business um and they they do they did great work so i was really happy that i found them um but it's interesting so you know when you're thinking about preparing for this economic shift i mean what are you doing in your own career um are you in a career that could get jacked around. I mean, that government could come in and shut you down and then sh- then turn you back on and then shut you down again two months later. I mean, are you in a business where that can happen? Are you at risk of that? And if you are, you need to start making adjustments so you're not put at risk. Um, that's, that's critical. It really is. Um, are you in a situation where you're working for a business where 
it's going to be obsolete. I mean, were you one of the last workers at Blockbuster Video? Um, are you in an industry that's going to go away? And if you are, if you see the writing on the wall, you got to make the shift. Um, are you in a business that can be farmed out to a virtual assistant in the Philippines so they'll work for five bucks an hour? If you are, you need to take a hard look at your reality and make a change. Or worse, what if you're in a business that can be automated away with software or manufacturing robotics? What if you're a delivery driver and maybe you might get replaced in the near future with driverless vehicles as Andrew Yang loved talking about, which I believe is going to be coming. I totally believe that. Especially I, I, my little electric vehicle, I can take my hands off the steering wheel and it will stay in its lane and turn on the freeway. And granted, I don't have the full, I have a Hyundai Kona. I don't have the full driverless package like a Tesla does, but the sensor technology in these cars is unbelievable. The cars can drive more safely um, with this automated technology and they can do so, you know, driverless cars, it's a real deal. It's not like, a, what do they call it? Remember it was at the... Um, what was that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie on Mars? Total Recall. They had the Johnny Cab. Remember that? And it was like the robot taxi guy. And then Schwarzenegger yanked him out and then grabbed the, grabbed the joystick and drove. There's going to be driverless um, vehicles. That's, that's a real deal. So if you're a truck driver, if you're a delivery driver, take a hard look at that because that's going to change. But it's going to be a good change. It's going to create opportunity for people. I, I think just a little bit of a tangent. I think this economic shift, this work from home, this economic mobility, the um, online classes, especially for college students, um, this is a huge win um, to get people off the roads, to make commuting way easier when more people are working from home. And then to take it a step further, when people are on the roads, when they're driving electric vehicles that aren't emitting pollution and they're driverless because the beauty of driverless cars is now cars can move in a pack. They can swarm. They can drive literally bumper to bumper synchronized. And then when one car needs to peel off to take an exit, they can. Um, but that synchronicity is going to keep the gap between cars very short, but still very safe. And that means that we're going to see traffic flow. We're not going to have the slinky effect in, in, on the freeway. And I think it's going to be a huge win. Um, so if you're in a, a job that could be automated away, what are you doing? Are you preparing for this economic shift? Because it's definitely happening. Um, a couple more comments that have come in here on the live stream. Jamie Tobit, um, who, we did that great Star Wars podcast back in, was it November or December, Jamie? That was a lot of fun. Um, Jamie says, vaccination distribution was left to individual counties, and that led to disorganization. That's true. Um, there is a call for the state to take over distribution. I think it makes sense as they can redistribute the supply to areas that are needing it. Well, yeah, clearly the system is not optimized. There, California is doing a poor job injecting vaccines into people at a fast enough rate. I mean, part of that is the fact that only certain professions are allowed to inject <laughs> because they have to be licensed. And, and really, you know, and Jamie, I know you've told me you're, you're, you're hoping that you're going to be able to become licensed to do that, to help out with this COVID emergency. That's great. We need more people that can administer the, the vaccine so we can get through this pandemic. But yeah, the way it's interesting how when gov I mean, this is my, my objectivist perspective. The more government seems to get involved, the more bureaucratic it gets, the less efficient it gets. The incentives aren't there. And we end up with a cluster like we're dealing with now where the vaccine isn't distributed properly. Um, and then Jamie, yeah, yeah, you, I'm going to repeat what you said. By the way, I'm getting recertified to administer vaccines so I can volunteer down at Petco on evenings and weekends. That's awesome. Good for you, Jamie. We need about 3000 of you. <laughs> To not only go to Petco, but to go all over the state. We need more people getting this vaccine out to people. That's important. Um, Pete Neald chiming in on the podcast. I love Pete Neald. He's been a guest here on the podcast at least five times, right, Pete? Probably more like seven. Uh, and Pete says, what's this thing you call a haircut? Yeah, maybe I should grow my hair out. But I'll tell you what, uh, you know, Pete's hair is, I mean, is... Uh, 
Pete is the classic mad scientist. I love it. Um, and I, I love the long hair, but I'll tell you, the older I get, I don't know, just long hair doesn't seem to work like it did when I was a teenager. Um, but I should. At some point, I want to grow my hair out, Pete. So maybe I'll do that with you. I'll look forward to that. So um, what else? Just a couple more comments. I wanted to get into the Biden EOs, but it's, holy crap, it's been about an hour already. I may save the Biden EOs for Friday's podcast. In fact, I'm going to definitely do that. But let's just say this. Um, what are you doing now? I mean, what are you doing to prepare for this economic shift? Because the the economy is more volatile. Long-term jobs are less and less a reality. Uh, people need to be more mobile and be able to travel where the work is or be able to do the work mobile um, using online technology. Uh, Businesses are now integrating automation technology. They're learning to be more lean because of this COVID crisis. They're learning to do more with less. So how are you adapting to that? Um, If you have a highly skilled profession like Jamie, um, who's a pharmacist, um, you're safe. You're going to be good. Um, If you are a doctor, a lawyer, if you're in some, you know, professional um, category, chances are you're going to be fine. But if you're a Um, a frontline person in a lot of other industries, whether it's in retail or manufacturing or distribution or, you know, in any of these other business categories. Um, Yeah. You know, certainly uh, um, hospitality, but for sure Um, this, this uh, the economy is punching you in the nose. And so what are you doing? Um, If you're in that situation, my, my recommendation is, is start a side hustle immediately instantly. Now that could be like Uber or Lyft or DoorDash, but and that's what people usually think of as private contractor. And maybe you do a little of that just to get a taste of it. Um, and you might find that, hey, man, I can earn a couple extra bucks when I need it. When I need to kind of turn on the gas or turn down the gas, I can earn some extra money. I can work on your own time and you can make it a side hustle. The more you hustle, the more money you make. That's a great mentality to have in the first place. But if you don't have a side hustle now, get started. And if you if you don't want to do the the I guess the cliche um, side hustle of being a delivery driver, um, just what are you good at? I mean, where are your skills? Are you an accountant? Are you really good with finance? Are you um, really good in as a salesperson? Uh, maybe you have deep um, understanding of certain kinds of medical device technology. Maybe there are other disciplines that you're just really good at. Maybe you're an architect. Maybe you are really good working with um, – I mean, I, I, we can make a list of every potential skill that's out there. Maybe you're good at online marketing and digital marketing like I am. Um, maybe you are good in – um, in a, a wide variety of, of skills, find out what you're good at and then set up your own business to offer those services, not as an employee, but as a contractor to other businesses. And here's what you're going to find. A, you're going to make a hell of a lot more money than you would as an employee. Um, now, granted, you're going to have to pay your own taxes as a 1099. You're going to have to, you know, be disciplined and put money aside to pay your federal and state taxes and and be compliant with Social Security and the like. Um, but you're going to get paid a lot more money. And part of it is because the employer can fire you at any time. But the beauty is, is you can quit at any time. You ultimate flexibility. And as a result, you can charge more for your services and It's a win-win because you get the value of working for clients, doing what you are good at and just that and being paid well for it. And then um, having a lot of extra time left over to maybe engage with other clients or to do other project work like that. So if you have a skill in any particular category, set up a business. I mean, at minimum, set up a sole proprietorship, but ideally incorporate, set up an S corporation or an LLC. It's not that hard. Um, and get a, get your own business checking account and, and partition your, your finances and set up a website and just get going. And I'm, and you'd be surprised. Um, Companies now, because they've had to downsize and, and uh, they're, they're doing more with less, but companies are also scrambling. Uh, they, are, they have edicts where they don't want to hire. Um, they're, they're watching their headcount, but they can often spend money more easily with vendors and third-party contractors than they can with employees. 
And so you're going to find that hiring managers have more flexibility to outsource and frankly, more money to spend to outsource than they would if they were hiring regular um, regular employees. So get started with that. I mean, that's a big deal. Um, and then start developing your own sets of products and services. Uh, really kind of build out a description of the service that you offer. Start building out your unique selling proposition. You know, essentially, why should people do business with you as opposed to any other option, including not hiring anyone at all? What are you, what are you good at and what makes you special? And really start articulating that message and getting out there. And you're going to be shocked if, you, if you've never gone down this path, you're going to be surprised at how much opportunity exists out there and how businesses are going to be very receptive and open to hiring you, let's just say for a project, maybe for a two or three month term. Or maybe it's an ongoing uh, project that may last years with a particular client where you are essentially an employee, but you're being paid in a different way. And you're, you're making more money and having more control over your work-life balance and able to work from home. I mean, it's a huge win. So, it, but if you don't have that skill, I mean, you might be thinking, what am I good at? Well, you're probably good at a lot of things you don't realize you're good at. But more importantly, if you don't have skills, Start developing those skills. And I mean, there's a lot of ways to learn things on the internet. Um, there's a lot of digital courses that are available. It's another part of the reason I'm transforming a portion of my business to build more digital content, digital courses that I can sell. But there's a lot of other companies that sell courseware that teach you how to to learn these specific skills. You don't necessarily have to go to college for two years, four years to learn these skills. You can take a three month class and come out of that highly focused and really good at a particular skill. Maybe it's a programming language. Maybe you want to become skilled with Adobe Photoshop and Illustrator and InDesign and be a graphic artist there, which by the way, you might want to be careful because a lot of that can be outsourced through Fiverr. But there are classes that are out there that can teach you how to do it. And you'd be shocked. You can ramp up your knowledge very quickly. Uh, pursue internships to learn on the job from other companies, but build those skills. Um, if you're in your 20s, you need to have skills that are marketable um, and that you can you know, work for the man for a period of time, be an employee, but quickly pivot and get to the point where you can incorporate, where you can be more in control of your own destiny, where you can control where you're getting your income from and having multiple streams of income from a, a variety of clients. Because if you have all your eggs in one basket, if you only have one employer that you're working 40 hours a week and then something blows up with your employer, you know, there's a COVID crisis and your job's gone or there's a merger and your job's eliminated, then you're screwed. But as a as an entrepreneur, a mobile entrepreneur in this new technology, uh, this new, essentially a new industrial revolution that we're going through. As, a, as an entrepreneur, you may have multiple clients and multiple streams of income. And so if you happen to lose a client, that, that's, that sucks, but at least you've got other clients that can keep you going and give you, give you that uh, you know, greater control and power over that money that's flowing in. Um, and, um, and there's great opportunities now online. You'd be shocked. I mean, if you're not already doing business online, the opportunity to attract customers online is enormous. The opportunity to sell product, you know, with, with e-commerce is enormous. And it's not as expensive to implement e-commerce on websites as you'd think. Um, there are opportunities, you know, to implement WooCommerce and plug it into a, of a WordPress website and boom, boom, um, you're out there selling product right now and, and, and can it be done relatively easy um, something that a person can do from home and have a small e-commerce site set up in like a weekend um, you'd be surprised at what kind of opportunity is out there and I can't encourage that enough I mean and there and you can automate a lot of this process a lot of automate your customer acquisition process with with um, paid ads and automated social media posts and automated funnels that attract customers and work them through a nurturing sequence. A lot of this is what I'm going to be talking about in future episodes to um, educate, inspire and entertain. So, um, you know, one of the things I did. If you go on my website, johnreillyproject.com, I have a store there and I created some products. And I, you know, my Pursue Happiness shirt. In fact, do I have it here? Oh, they're over there. But I think you've seen them. I've shared those and they're on, they're on sale on my website. 
I hired a, a graphic artist. The Pursue Happiness um, one was actually done by one of my daughter's friends who is a graphic artist. And she did a wonderful job. But I have those now manufactured through Printful. You ever heard of Printful? P-R-I-N-T-F-U-L dot com. There's a competitor there. It's called Printify. This is the whole digital um, digital printing industry where you can upload a design. You can have that design um, uh, implemented on a T-shirt, on a sweatshirt, on a hat, on a mug, on just about any kind of thing you can imagine. And then you can sell those products online on your website through WooCommerce. Really easy, really simply, and it's an automated process. It's unbelievable what's available out there if you just take the time to learn, to grow, and to shift with the economy as it's shifting. So, okay, um, I've been going on here for about an hour, a little over an hour, so I'm going to wrap this up. But I, I you know, want to say follow me on social media. Uh, look for John Riley Project on Facebook. Um, my Twitter handle is John Riley Poway, so you can follow me there. And um, I'm going to start doing a lot more content that I'm going to be sharing on social media. My next step after I'm done with some of my business re- reconfiguration, I'm going to begin to make some big changes with the John Riley Project website. So I've got all these ideas. It's like I've got this new vision and I'm really motivated and excited and um, want to thank you for being on this with me. And I'll be sharing a lot of this in future podcasts. So I've got you know, all these Biden executive orders. Here he is signing all these executive orders. President Joe Biden. Um, I got a lot of comments on those, but I'm going to save those for Friday's episode. So I'll be back here Friday at 2 p.m. live streaming on YouTube and Facebook. Until then, thank you very much for joining me. This is episode number 195 of the John Riley Project. We're closing in on episode 200. And yeah, I didn't throw in the towel, Matthew. I didn't throw in the towel. I took a time off to re-energize, to think, to strategize, or as uh, George W. Bush would say, to strategize uh, my business and to take time off of the family. And now I'm I'm back, baby, just like uh, Frank Costanza. I'm back um, and uh, looking forward to sharing more episodes with you. So we'll see you Friday at two. Take care, friends. Bye-bye.